News out Disneyland is raising its prices, and the cheapest ticket will be over one hundred dollars. They know, yeah, they know. It's just kind of shocking, which is why they take your picture the moment you find out the price. <laughs> And then they sell that to you for 500 bucks. 500, wow. This is when me and the missus found out it's going to be. <laughs> Seems to be a preemptive strike uh, ahead of their opening of their uh, much-anticipated Star Wars land. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Gosh. So that debuts later this year, so they're raising the prices because they're expecting sure. uh, a, a big surge in attendance as parents make their kids wait in line because it's dad's turn to ride the Millennium Falcon. And and when <laughs> when do they launch their big Netflix-style all-our-shows subscription channel? Uh, also uh, slated for at the end of this year, I believe. I'm on that. Yeah. Yeah, I just can't hear the name Disney without thinking of the lines and the heat and the noise and the kids and the I've running around. I've never been to Disney World or land. Go on a rainy Tuesday. <laughs> just wait till it starts to rain on Tuesday. Yank your kids into the car. We're going! Or an airplane <laughs> or wherever you are. That's the time. Oh, I hate crowds. Oh, I hate them. Uh, I will tell you this. We uh, we were part of a really, really nice crowd over the weekend. Jack and I uh, helped uh, at a fundraiser for cops, concerns of police survivors. About the the widows, the children, the the parents, the coworkers of, of cops who get killed in the line of duty. And, and it's just it's so important and it's such a beautiful thing they do. And they really help people when they need it the most. And, and we as a society really need to keep working on having a healthy relationship with, with law enforcement. And it goes both ways. You know, we... We call out bad cops all the time on the Armstrong and Getty show because if you're going to be a free people and you grant uh, somebody that much authority, carry a gun and a badge and have power over others, they best live up to a very, very high standard. We want, we ask for it both ways around here. Um, but this is the height of stupidity. I saw this headline a couple of times and rolled my eyes. It was a couple of days before I could even read this story. Um, if you're not familiar with it, in the Northern California uh, town of uh, Davis, California, a 22-year-old young woman who's a police officer was gunned down by a lunatic. Um, she was just responding to a traffic wreck. He lived in the neighborhood and just killed her. It was, uh, you can't make any sense of it. It's tragic. It's horrifying. And um, it just happened. Uh, this young woman, Natalie Corona, when she first became a police officer, posed for a number of photos wearing a royal blue gown and holding the thin blue line flag. You've probably seen it. It's an American flag, and it's black and blue. And it's occasionally called the Blue Lives Matter flag, and it's a, a statement that we have to understand You know what we owe to our law enforcement officers and and just to, just to have just be aware of what they do and how dangerous it is and how important it is. Well, uh, some of these soft-headed social social justice weenie, permanently angry, self-righteous twits of the U- the University of California Davis, UC Davis, have come out and said that those photos were racist because to have a flag that says blue light. Blue Lives Matter is blatantly anti-black. I'm quoting the Associated Students. The flag is blatantly anti-black and disrespectful. We see it necessary to call out community members who continue to post and disseminate images of the Blue Lives Matter flag online. We would like to directly address that this flag represents an attempt by law enforcement to undermine the Black Lives Matter movement. That's right, because respect is a zero-sum game. You can't possibly respect the rights of black people to not be shot 
unjustifiably, and respect police officers and the dangerous job they do. It's impossible to hold both those thoughts in your head, well, according that's, to the grievance culture uh, ninnies. That's what the flag means. That picture that's making the rounds, I think, is just a picture of the poor officer that was assassinated, and that just happened to be what she was doing in that picture. Right. Well, and it's a beautiful young woman, an idealist, idealistic young peace officer who's proud of being a cop. That's what that picture is. The Ethnic and Cultural Affairs Commission also offered to provide help for students, quote, triggered by this oh, event. Oh, you gotta be kidding. And the circulating images of a flag that has been popularized by the Blue Lives Matter crowd. Flashing lights, sirens, and increased police presence can be triggering to many black and brown people. They so wrote. so the, they're not triggered by the idea that a 22-year-old cop who'd just been patrolling on her own for a couple of weeks gets murdered in the street. They're triggered by the sirens, the 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 fact that there was a reaction to that. Right, well, that's weird. That a bunch of cops showed up. Well, it's 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 psychotic. I mean, it is willing yourself to be mentally ill. You're no longer willing to so, or, or able to sort out what is real and what well, isn't. And it's making an odd choice as to what to focus on. Because I've talked to a bunch of people about that particular incident, and it's it's tough to wrap your head around. I mean, if you believe in God how that fits in i mean the randomness of life all that stuff i mean it's it's a difficult question but they're they're fine with that they've gotten past that part of it now they're on to the symbol of a flag and what that does to them emotionally. Because they live to be aggrieved. They live to be offended. They wake up every morning desperately hoping to be offended by something because that's how they prove how righteous they are. That's who they are. I'm the offended guy. I'm the offended girl, and they live all day hoping to be offended. Now, I will commend uh, one Michael Goffman, president of the Associated Students at UC Davis and others like him. He said, I quote, I wholeheartedly condemn the Ethnic and Cultural Affairs Commission for this disgusting post. It's easy to sit on the third floor of the Memorial Union when there are at least a 100 brave men and women in blue between you and the shooter. It's easy to argue hypotheticals, politics, and ideology when you're in safety. I'm ashamed that some of these same people, protected by the very officers that they are condemning, have the audacity to politicize the loss of a young officer. Her only crime was being a police officer. And uh, as you might expect, social media has weighed in. That's what social media does. You are an intolerant hate group that needs to be disbanded, one writer posted. Sad state of affairs when you condemn a police officer who died in the line of duty protecting your community. Yeah, I'd say so. The idea that it's one or the other is a stupid, stupid idea. You can't respect both. That's just dumb. Different story, same topic. Or different topic, same story, rather. So the guy that murdered this police officer, uh, before he killed himself, he went in his house and typed up a letter, if you haven't heard this, in which he basically says in the letter, the police department has been saving, sending sonic waves to my dogs. I've been complaining to the police about this for years, and they've done nothing about it. Yeah, wow, that's full round the bend. So he was completely nuts. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And somehow had a couple of guns. Um, he had a roommate, uh, the roommate said he'd been angry recently for losing his job. The, the, the murderous scumbag who's now dead, thank God, had been angry lately for losing his job, but it didn't show any signs of like being this kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but here you, here you got somebody who's completely crazy out there. 
Is there anything that can be done about that? Is there anything we can do about that as a society? That's one of the hardest questions being asked in our society these days. And what the, to do about folks like that. And one of the reasons I was thinking about it is I knew a guy who was a, I don't know if he was a full-on professor. I know he taught college classes. He used to end up at parties at my house years ago. He wore tinfoil on the top of his shoes and on the top of his head. To intercept, to intercept rays from alien beings. He was a professor. So I didn't know him that well, but everybody said, oh, he's super brilliant. I mean, his classes are amazing. He's just a genius. Wow. He was also pretty damned quirky. Yeah, I'd say. How far he off? He actually wore the tinfoil hat of, of legend. But as far as I know, he never was or still to this day has ever been, you know, a lawbreaker or violent to anybody ever. Right. Well, How the much, vast majority of mentally ill people would never hurt sure. anybody. Right. How much crazier was he with the tinfoil on the top of his shoes and top of his head than this guy who believed the police were sending sonic waves to his dog? Not right. a lot. Right. Not a huge difference. Right. And I wouldn't have wanted to incarcerate that guy in some way, put him in a mental hospital he can't get out of. Right. So it's it's difficult. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's heavy. It's heavy and it's serious and it's difficult. We actually had a great conversation with a highly placed law enforcement officer not long ago about the fact that we as a society have decided we have all these mentally ill people and um, and, and, and God bless them. I mean, nobody asks to become mentally ill. Um, and it's an enormous problem and it's sometimes a dangerous problem and sometimes people end up homeless and there are a thousand reasons to take it really, really seriously. And who do we send to deal with, to uh, to uh, evaluate, to help, to incarcerate, uh, or, or decide what to do with mentally ill people? Beat cops, police officers, peace officers. Now, a lot of them these days get some training in that, but who decided that? It's like, I don't know, sending firefighters to deal with leaky faucets or something. I just, you know, I can't come up with the right metaphor, but... Why? How do we not have people whose job is to do that? Well, you'd need, a, need a, an entirely different force that probably would have to go with police officers in case it's dangerous. Right. right. And uh, there'd be a lot of people and a lot of money. Yeah. 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 Well, that's a tough nut, and, and I don't expect we'll be cracking it before the end of this hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show, but it's definitely an increasingly loud uh, topic that you can't ignore. Sure. I mean, especially in the parts of the country, the West Coast in particular, that are just inundated with homeless people, a number of whom are crazy. The guy who wore tinfoil on top of his shoes. Nice guy. But yeah. that's pretty dang kooky. Yeah, that's that's probably psychotic. I don't know. He managed. Had a job. Did he do it as a joke? No. No, he's completely serious. He's very serious about it. He talked to you for a long time. I mean, I, I talked to him about a, dope a long time. Um, if you got any ideas, our text line 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. Major Utility declares bankruptcy. What does it mean? You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. Armstrong and Getty Show. I know 
a few people with Pacific Gas and Electric or knowledge of the operations of PG&E. Giant utility. One of the nation's biggest. One of the biggest utility companies in America that uh, child for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection today. And they believe that the people at the top are at least as concerned with their payouts and pensions and all that sort of stuff not being ruined in the lawsuits flying back and forth over the big fires. How dare you? As they are anything with the company. I can't believe that. It's scurrilous <laughs> talk. Uh, we'd like to welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show, George Avalos, who writes for the, a fabulous newspaper, the Mercury News. Um, it covers the economy, jobs, PG&E, energy, Chevron, financial companies, real estate, that sort of thing. George, how are you, sir? Are you there, George? Yes, I'm here. Thank you. Excellent. Oh, it's our pleasure. So uh, PG&E uh, filing for bankruptcy protection. Obviously, they think there could be enormous lawsuits coming their way in the wake of recent California wildfires. That's 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 indeed the case. Uh, they are filing to reorganize their finances so they can pay their debts. Uh, the problem that potentially faces customers in northern and central California the customers of PG&E, is that the bankruptcy judge's primary priority is to ensure that the creditors are paid back in whatever the, the judge deems is a equitable and fair fashion, which means that the prospect of higher monthly power bills is definitely on the table uh, as a result of the bankruptcy filing. And then, of course, adding to the pain, you have PG&E's chief executive officer, Geisha Williams, who presided, uh, who was in charge at the time of these uh, the two disastrous wildfires in 2017 and late 2018. Uh, she was shown the door, resigned, whatever the terminology is that you want to use, has left the company, um, but also left with a $2.5 million cash severance right. on her way out the door. So they yeah. fitted her with the goat's horns, but sent her away with more money than most people will ever see in their lives. You know, the particulars of this are pretty interesting, George, but if I can rewind just for a second, I was I was looking into the question of PG&E's profits over the last several years because I maintain that, you know, they, they could have spent some of those profits on making their lines more safe and that sort of thing. But it became clear the more I read, and I'm sure you understand this, what a bizarre private-slash-government body these big utilities are. I mean, PG&E has to petition the government to let them raise rates, for instance, but then they make big, giant profits. What is that all about? That seems very odd. Well, it all ultimately comes from the ratepayers. They often... The, the, the primary regulatory agency for PG&E in California, which is the Public Utilities Commission, can determine that shareholders, quote-unquote, uh, have to bear the cost of this, uh, of, of certain things. Uh, and in, in other cases, uh, ratepayers, uh, the, the customers through their monthly bills, uh, have to bear uh, certain other expenses. So it is a strange uh, amalgam strange mishmash of a company that has been given a monopoly to provide gas and electricity in a certain territorial area of northern and central California, which includes San Francisco, San Jose, and Oakland and Sacramento right. uh, geographically. Um, but at the same time, uh, they're allowed to 
maximize their profits as best right. they can. Right, and how do they have shareholders if the government decides what they charge and when they charge it and all, and the shareholders make mighty profit? Why is it not run so that they balance to the dime every year? Or if they have a surplus one year, they return it to the share, share to the customers? I'd, and it's obvious. I mean, if you've studied government for 10 minutes, you understand this is an enormous conflict of interest and opportunity for lobbyists to wield power and in, in, in a way that doesn't serve the customers. It just... To me, it's an unholy mix of government and profit. Well, to your point, and when you mentioned lobbyists, uh, PG&E, it's the third thing that you can't ignore in all this. You know, you you have the PUC, you have the private market, uh, you know, which is how theoretically PG&E is supposed to operate. And then, but you also have the state legislature and, and the governor, and they did, in the view of a lot of critics, bail out. PG&E from their wildfire responsibilities from the disasters of 2017. Right. You know, George, I'm sorry. Uh, let me jump in right there just because we're super pressed for time, having gotten started a little, little late with you. And for that, we apologize. I hope we can stay in touch as this story develops oh, yeah, and help people this, understand it. This is the beginning of a long story, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And actually, what happened today, just to clear things up, is that about this 10 is seconds. the warning that they intend to file for bankruptcy, so there's much more to come okay. in the right. courts. Very good. George, hey, great to talk to you. Thank you very much. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Interesting new poll numbers of the government shutdown and the border wall, and exactly how close can you get to a sick person and avoid getting the flu? I need to know that. Any excuse to stay away from people will be welcome in my orbit. My orbit's very large. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Website 538, they're all about numbers and breaking down politics and this or that. Yep. They've broken down the various uh, major Democrat chances for um, getting the nomination. Who's running? Yeah, early to my mind, but okay. Uh, well, I don't know. There's going to be there's gonna be a fair amount of positioning before you ever get to the first debate in, in six months. Of course, I'm a guy who looks at preseason previews for who's going to be in the Super Bowl. So <laughs> what am I talking about? Anyway, talk a little bit about that on the way. Right now, news with Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump is again defending his stance on border security as the partial government showdown goes on. At the White House today, Trump said congressional Democrats have to do something to end the shutdown. The Democrats should say we want border security, we have to build a wall, otherwise you can't have border security, and we should get on with our lives. A number of experts now saying the shutdown could run into at least the middle of next month. Meanwhile, in a new CNN poll, 55% of those asked blame Trump, while 32% blame congressional Democrats for the shutdown. I contend, and I really believe this, it doesn't make any difference. It just doesn't make any difference. I don't think getting blamed, so-called blamed for a shutdown, hurts you in the long run. Nobody remembers or cares. On the other hand, the amount of Americans who support the wall has hit an all-time high. Over the weekend, an ABC News and Washington Post poll found that 42% of Americans support the border wall. And again, that is an all-time high for support for the wall. Well, uh, that's such an odd question. The wall. I mean, what does the wall wall. mean? I support Pink Floyd's The Wall. It's a brilliant uh, album. 
Uh, but what do you mean the wall? Physical barriers where it's appropriate? What if you ask that? Do you support physical barriers on the border where that is the best way to ensure... Almost everybody supports uh, it. Uh, you know, uh, regulated immigration. I think your numbers would be well into the 80s. Comprehensive immigration reform with physical barriers where needed, I think, would have almost universal approval. Yeah, I can't no, imagine who would object. It would. It could right. be settled, as we keep saying over and over, in, in 15 minutes. If you had a bunch of people being honest. Politics is about posturing. It's not about getting things done. Right now, you got tens of thousands of L.A. teachers, Los Angeles teachers, striking after contentious contract hearings or negotiations failed in the nation's second largest school district. Members of the United Teachers Los Angeles voted last year to walk off the job for the first time in 30 years if a deal wasn't worked out on issues including higher wages, smaller class sizes. So the strike has begun. Months talks between the union and the L.A. Unified School District ended without a deal. How about eliminate about a third of middle management? Something between the teachers and your money. How about be honest uh, about the fact that we've now got to devote whatever it is, 20, 30, 40% of our budget to educating um, people who speak only Spanish. And that has necessarily detracted from the time and money we can spend on what we used to do, which is educating American citizens. Maybe you're against that. Maybe you're for that. Uh, you know, and, and you can decide on whatever policy you think is best. But let's be honest about it. You talk to any teacher in an urban school district, right. they will tell you there's been an enormous change in needs and priorities. Nobody wants to talk about that, honestly. Turns out the cockpit voice recorder from the Lion Air Jet that crashed into the Java Sea in October has been found and it's been recovered by Navy divers. The officials also uh, found at the seabed some uh, remains of the 189 people who were killed in that crash. You'll recall the uh, the uh, crash was a Boeing 737 MAX 8 jet. It was new, brand new. But that jet showed some signs that the airspeed indicator had malfunctioned on its last four flights. So now they've got the flight recorder. They may be able to get more information on what happened. Yeah, they think one of the plane's automatic uh, mechanisms forced the plane down, was fighting the pilot, in right. effect, which would be you know terrible news for Boeing, obviously. It is that time of the year for colds and the flu. Basic question, how close can you get to somebody with a contagious virus and still be safe? Third, I, third of a mile. I kiss everybody I see. Wow. It's just the way I agree. You're people. very European. According to the CDC, a person with the flu can infect anybody within a six-foot radius. Most experts agree that in flu cases, viruses spread mainly by the droplets made when people cough, sneeze, or talk. Spewing them or about... Or talk. Or talk. Spewing them about the room. <laughs> They're saying less often a person might get flu by touching a surface or object that has flu virus on it. So right. that's not as common, huh? No. I'm okay. more likely to get it like you talk it's or cough spewing. at me. Huh. Oy. Within six uh, six feet. So that, I'd say anybody shows any signs or symptoms whatsoever, you, you make them wear a, like a, a halo thing, like a, a mask. So anybody, like a net over their head. Anybody with any couth is covering their mouth in some way when they cough. But yeah, but if you've when, ever seen those videos backlit that show you where the droplets go, <laughs> you can try as hard as you can to well, cover. It helps. You spew stuff in the air. It helps, but... The talking. Nobody's doing anything about the talking. Less talking. Shut up, America. Stay healthy. <laughs> well.
Pro Football's championship weekend is set after defeating the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. The New Orleans Saints host the L.A. Rams next Sunday in the NFC championship Saints game. At Rams, yep. wow! In the AFC, after eliminating Kurt the, Warner, after eliminating the San Diego, I don't think that's, right. that's not right. No, Angeles. Chargers, the New England Patriots travel to Kansas City to face the Chiefs. See, I can make that same joke. Tom Brady, except he's still actually he's playing. He's still playing, that's he right. He played against Kurt Warner, and he's still playing. I, I can't wait for Chiefs-Patriots. That could be uh, on all t- It could be insane. I hope. So, fascinating uh, kind of football stat that I stumbled across. Uh, the, the combined over-under for both of these games is the highest it's been since 1980 with the smallest point spread in about 30 years as well. So these games are going to be high-scoring and close, according to the Sharps in Vegas. Yeah, the Chiefs are favored yeah. by three, which is the home field advantage, I guess. Right. With an over-under of 57. So, so, I, wow, wow. So uh, Vegas expects it to be 30-27, to 27, in Tom, other words. Tom Brady's... 13th AFC Championship? That's way too many. That's almost a full season of AFC Championships. Well, That's if incredible. You're not, if you're not familiar with football, if you win, if you're you know champ or you win your division or whatever, you get a harder schedule. And the more you win, the harder your schedule is next year. So, you know, a little share of the wealth. It's a communist. But they try to bring down the powerful teams. The fact that they're playing in their 8th consecutive conference championship yeah. game, it's just it's impossible. It, it can't happen, and yet it has. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. And what's going to happen if, if the Patriots go into the inevitable period of suckitude, and they're terrible for like 13 years? Pats fans are just going to despair. You're just you're too spoiled. Here's a stat that will only mean something to you if it means something to you. But Tom Brady is playing in his 13th AFC championship, which is as many championships as... I can't remember the name. Mo, Larry, and Curly. That's a senior <laughs> moment. Terry Bradshaw and Joe Montana combined. Oh, boy. Which is amazing because they each won four Super Bowls. So right, that's right. just That doesn't even seem possible for one guy. Anyway, that's your stat that doesn't matter. And here's another stat. He's super pretty. Yeah. Oh, I got a picture of him and Giselle after the game <laughs> yesterday. Please. Quit playing football and start reproducing. Yeah. America needs oh, more what? beautiful children. Yeah. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I believe, I don't know if the weather changes things, but the Clemson championship team, the national championship team, will be coming tonight. It'll be exciting. A very great team, an unbelievable team. They'll be coming tonight, and I think we're going to serve McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King's with some pizza. I really mean it. It'll be interesting, and I would think that's their favorite food. So we'll see what happens. But they're coming tonight, the national champions, subject to the weather. Plan accordingly. Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King, and some pizza. Okay. Sounds about college guy. Yeah. I'd uh, Pizza from where? Just picture him walking into this room. I go Wendy's. 
Although Wendy's it has depends got... depends entirely on the pizza. Is it cheap garbage cardboard pizza or like serious, uh, you know, you got an Italian joint down from the White House pizza? Wendy's has a new chicken sandwich with syrup on it, maple syrup on it, that is horrific. And I'm a Wendy's fan. <laughs> One of the worst flavors I've ever had in my mouth, and I've had poop in my mouth. <laughs> Cow poop. Right. Yeah. Right. Not willingly. No. Not, not, no. 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 I I go, just, I'm trying to make it clear. I didn't go through a phase or something. <laughs> I just kicked it and it went in my mouth. You know, I'm, uh, I'm not going back to Wendy's until they get rid of the square patty. I'm sorry. What? That, that it's is an, a, it's an abomination. Uh, it tastes closer to a hamburger than any of the others. You're like an, an actual hamburger. <laughs> have you ever in your life had uh, chicken and waffles? I don't oh, think yeah. so. I haven't. Oh, it's and great. I don't, you know, I'm sure there must be a reason it's popular. I see it everywhere I go now. I suppose I'll try it. But. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I get waffles. I've eaten waffles before. So is like chicken the bacon, or that's actually a pretty good description. Yeah, it, course, it just because it's fried chicken, so it's pretty you know savory and yeah, crispy it's, and it's wonderful. It's the savory to the sweet of the the waffles and the syrup. Oh yeah, I'd eat it right now if he put it in front of me. I would not eat that Wendy sandwich with the syrup on the chicken though. Yeah, that was awful. Well, I think that's what they're going for, right? Awful? No, no, no. Kind of a uh, wa- chicken waffles thing. Oh, maybe. I don't know. What do I know? Um, 538 has broken down the Democratic field for president. I don't have the heart to get into it. Um, maybe uh, maybe I will. Maybe I will tomorrow. I don't know what, but um, they really like Beto O'Rourke's chances and Kamala Harris's chances oh, interesting. In appealing to the various groups. It's, it's kind of interesting, though, when you get into large numbers, as we saw with the Republicans last time around. For instance, a Beto and a, a Julian Castro, both in Texas, appealing to the Hispanic vote can, you know, split that right and then they just don't get anywhere because they split something it doesn't mean that they wouldn't nationally be a better but you know it's just weird the dynamics of that yeah i've heard it race is called racist or sexist or something or other or maybe both that beto's getting all that attention whereas the 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 woman and i apologize i don't recall her name uh, i didn't know this was going to come up but she was the gal who just barely lost the governorship of georgia Oh, yeah. Just barely, barely, barely lost. Because Beto, in the end, ended up, he lost pretty good. I mean, Ted won. Um, but why the uh, handsome, light-skinned, uh, well, he's not, he doesn't claim to be Hispanic, does no. he? He's Irish. No. Why the light-skinned Irishman from Texas and not the uh, the black gal from, from Georgia? I don't You're talking about Stacey Abrams. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. He says uh, this, this 538. Um, Nate Silver at 538. He says one of the things that Beto's really got going for him, besides the fact that he's good speaker, natural, seems comfortable in his own skin, which is underrated. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I have a great uh, piece on that and how Elizabeth Warren ain't, but go on. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no kidding. Is that um, similar to Trump and Obama, his his positions on things are kind of, you can't really tell what they are. <laughs> And um, and he says perfect for the modern age. Yeah, he says Trump had that going for him, and Obama had that going for you. Where you where you can kind of just assume they're on your side with a variety of things because they hadn't really nailed it down, right? <laughs> and yeah. then you just find them likable and comfortable in their own skin, so you go with it. So listen, I'm kind of a word freak, and my mom was an English teacher, and so I absolutely love this. Um, it's in the Atlantic, which is frequently obnoxious and frequently brilliant. Um. Elizabeth Warren in the down-to-earth trap. And they're talking, they analyze paragraph after paragraph after paragraph, her, hold on a sec, I'm going to get me a beer. And the way she phrased it, the get me a beer thing. And they talk about the fact that she's originally from um, Oklahoma City. She grew up there. And the idea of, uh, I'm going to get me a beer, is not foreign. Sure. If you grow up in Oklahoma City. 
Uh, likewise, um, in, in you know the, the if you're in uh, you know the, the the far northeast, you're out in the woods. It's not impossible somebody would say that either. So she certainly comes from places in the country where that's authentic. But for some reason, it came out as completely phony. And um, by the way, I'd be happy to explain to you the uh, the uh, the not genetic, the grammatical. Uh, complexities of the reflexive pronoun in standard English, which is converted in the Southern Appalachian dialects. I'm telling you, it goes on for paragraph after paragraph. But <laughs> what they get into is the history of politicians trying desperately to be down to earth, including most notably John Kerry, who is a blue-blooded Northeastern patrician, if there ever was one. And they mention him, you know, throwing on the barn coat and attempting to drop his uh, G's. And he said, can I get me a hunting license once? Although careful analysis of the audio says he did say hunting, but sounded like hunting to me when I listened to it. They said he couldn't do it. Sarah Palin could drop her G's successfully. Um, And then they uh, explain in the scholarly 2008 paper, it's like a Ph.D. thesis, it mentions Dan Fogelberg's 1980 hit song, Same Old Lang Syne, in the line, She said she'd marry her an architect. And whether Fogelberg was capable of pulling it off. And then they get to, finally, my favorite part of this, commenter wondered, is Fogelberg, who seems capable of standard usage, the kind of guy who'd say, Dag Nabbit, she up and married her an architect? <laughs> Which led this scholar to dub the trap that politicians fall into the dagnabbit effect. And the long and short of it is some people are just stiffs and you've got to own stiff. If you're a stiff, be a stiff. Your consultants are going to tell you not to be a stiff. But one of the sayings we have around here on the Armstrong and Getty Show is you never, you're never faking it as well as you think you are. If you know nothing about the NFL and you attempt to join in a conversation, you're thinking it's going just great. And all the football fans around you are like, why is this ninny even trying? You never, you're never faking it as well as you think you are. So Elizabeth nice Warren. Nice score down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. How many runs have they scored? Um, if you're Elizabeth Warren, you're not an Indian and you're not hip. Just be a Harvard professor. Yeah. It's your only hope. Which would be fine. Right. Just like Trump was just fine being a billionaire with a giant plane, not pretending to be... Solid gold plane. <laughs> Whatever. And now it's time for final thoughts with those two hotties, Armstrong and Getty, and the other guys, too. That was a shot, is what that was. Here's your host for it's final right. thoughts. She, Joe Getty. she said, I'm a hottie. I'm cool. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody to wrap up the show. Marshall Phillips, your final thought. All right, to be perfectly honest, okay, guys, I'm going to get me a Chardonnay. There you go, and I, and I believe you. There you go. I don't Very think you're faking it. Very down to earth. Michelangelo, board operator, final thought? Yeah, don't wait for your utility companies to go bankrupt. Put the largest windmill in your backyard, and uh, don't worry about what the neighbors say. They'll get used to it. Uh, Positive Sean, producer, your final thought? Yes, uh, True Detective Season 3 premiered last night. It is back on par with the Season 1, which was great. Season 2 was horrible. We don't talk about it. But the biggest announcement was the actual premiere date of the final season of Game of Thrones, April 14th. I now have a a set date on when I need to finish my rewatch by. Super Jack, do you have a final thought you'd like to share? 
So I got my eight-year-old new tennis shoes yesterday, and when we got home, he was uh, so excited about how fast he could run and how high he could jump. And I was just thinking, I need to find a way in my life that I'm ever as excited about anything as that, as he was about his new tennis shoes. Mm. As optimistic, as changed, as, as complete, as fulfilled as he was. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, similar note, I was going to say my uh, final thought is my 19-year-old is heading back to college very soon, but we had a wonderful day yesterday, and during our explorations and eating out and talking about life and long walks and all, I got me a latte. And it had, first one? And I had me a tulip drawn in foam on it. It was my first hot latte. I think I may have had an iced latte at some point. Mm-hmm. And as I sat there sipping my tulip-decorated latte, it wasn't my manliest moment ever, but... <laughs> it wasn't? I really kind of enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, latte's a pretty good drink. Yeah, I liked it. A latte. You don't have to get a tulip and drawn in the foam. It made me feel pretty. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com if you'd like to click on the stuff we talked about. You can email us anytime. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Have a thought on something we talked about. There's something we ought to be talking about. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you and good night. But the show's over. What? Bye bye. This report is almost certain to be anticlimactic. Armstrong and Getty.